So if you have your Bibles open, um, I'll just, I'm, I want to read this passage with you, and then um, we'll go through it. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering. As a good soldier of Christ Jesus, a soldier gets entangled, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with Him, we will also live with Him. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He also will deny us. If we are faithless, He remains faithful, for He cannot deny himself. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words. And uh, Lord, we, I just pray that you'd give real wisdom and clarity and uh, help us to understand. And we pray, I pray that you would teach us so that we might be faithful men and women, faithful children, faithful servants of you, anticipating what you have for us. We pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So you may have thought, uh, I don't know if I want to go this morning. It's Labor Day. I'm going to give a work sermon, right? Get us all riled up to, to go out and labor. And, well, I can't deny that. <laughs> um, but that's not my sole purpose, and that's not even the reason I chose this text. I chose this text because I thought um, it had a real lesson for us. Uh, uh, the title I chose was A Singular Purpose. And that, to me, was just what drew me into this. As I read through it and read through it and read through it, I thought, there's a singular purpose that God has for us in this text. And I want to share that. Because today, there's a, it's a day of confusion. It's a day of, of just uh, so many distractions. So easily to be dissuaded one way or the other. Or persuaded. And uh, so I, I, I just thought this text helps us to, to be drawn in to the singular purpose that Paul is trying to communicate to Timothy. Now this is a very important letter because this is the last letter that Paul wrote. 
It's the last letter he wrote before he was killed. He was in chains and he was writing to Timothy and he was trying to encourage Timothy. And you'll notice even in the first words, Timothy, my child, he, he, he's appealing to him as one he loves dearly. But overarching in, in the, all the to-dos, I want you to see a lesson of faithfulness in this text. I thought it was so incredible how in the last few verses of this section, verses uh, 11 through 13, how Paul draws us to the faithfulness of God. He re the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, reveals God's faithfulness. And then in the very first verses, he, he commands Timothy to be faithful, to, to look for faithful men. And so he communicates through this text how, what that looks like to be faithful. And so I want you to, to have that in mind as we look at these verses Faithfulness as the theme. And faithfulness is the singular purpose. Alright? Faithfulness is the singular purpose. So the very first thing we, wanna, we, we need to talk about is that the faithfulness of God. The fa and, and we ask, faithfulness to who? And right away our response is, well, to us, right? Right? Faithfulness to us, and that is true. But even more than his faithfulness to us is his faithfulness to himself. Who he is as God. And this is the absolute perfection of the character of God. His faithfulness. God is totally reliable. But this is the very first thing that we doubt about God is His faithfulness. You'll remember Adam and Eve and Eve's temptation. She was tempted by the serpent that God knows that your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, the serpent said, knowing good and evil. And after Eve heard those words, she looked at the fruit and she saw that it was beautiful, that it was good for food, and then it was she, she desired to be wise. It was desirable to make one wise. These questioned the faithfulness of God because God had given them every tree in the garden from which to eat except one. God had, was their leader. He, God was the one who would tell them and, and help them in their decision-making. He was the all-wise one. But she doubted their faithfulness. Another illustration would be Israel. As they were coming into the promised land and had sent out the spies, and the ten spies had come back and said, oh man, we're toast. We're, we're dead meat. Those people in that land will never overcome them. And Joshua and Caleb, the people just started wailing. 
the people of Israel started wailing and they got angry. Angry at God. They said, Why, O Lord, have you brought us here just to be killed? We wish we had died in Egypt. We wish we had died even in the wilderness. And Joshua and Caleb stood up and they said, The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. God had promised this land to us. The whole nation of Israel took up stones to kill Joshua and Caleb as Moses and Aaron were down on the ground with their faces on the ground at the rebellion of these people. And the glory of the Lord came and filled the tabernacle and stopped them from throwing any stones. They questioned God's faithfulness. They questioned whether God would do what He said He would do. Balaam was hired by King Barak to curse Israel. And Balaam couldn't do it. He said, I can only say what God tells me to say. I can only bless who He tells me to bless and curse who He tells me to curse. Now, Balaam wasn't a good guy. But he did listen to God. Kind of. And this is what God said through Balaam. He said, God is not man that he should lie. Or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken? And will he not fulfill it? Balaam couldn't curse Israel. He couldn't do it. And Balak took him from place to place and did whatever Balaam said. And of course, Balaam, all Balaam wanted was the king's money. And Balaam actually betrayed Israel, not by cursing them, but by telling King Balak how he could dissuade them and persuade them to worship false gods and disobey God. And even in that, God was faithful because God said, if you do these things to Israel, I will punish you. Israel did those things and God punished them. God is faithful. God is faithful. So in this setting of 2 Timothy, chapter 1, we're told that all of Asia rejected Paul. Now, all of Asia had heard the Gospel because of Paul. But now, they saw him still in chains. They saw him headed to the Roman court where there was no hope for him. And they could not trust God who would have his servant bound and killed. So they rejected Paul. They turned on him. 
And that's where Paul finds himself. This place. Where all of Asia has turned their back on him. And are ashamed of him because of his imprisonment. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm. I forgot about the clicker. <laughs> so, let's look at these first two verses again. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Is that helpful now to see that setting? As Paul is saying, Timothy, be strong. Be being strong. God, God wants to continually strengthen you in His grace. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So I've called this point the command. And here's the blanks for your bulletin. Be strong in grace and entrust faithful men. Paul points us to the one who is faithful and his unmerited favor, that grace. Grace is a gift. Grace is unmerited. It isn't deserved. There's nothing you can do to get it. And yet Paul says, in that grace, in that gift, be strengthened, be strong. And this is so interesting because starting with this aspect of who God is, that He is a God of grace, is the very way God Himself disclosed who He was to Moses way back in Exodus 33 when Moses said, God, show me Your glory. Show me Your glory. And, Moses, and God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will be proclaimed before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place for me where you shall stand on the rock, by me, where you shall stand on the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. But look how he di discloses who he is, to reveals himself to Moses. I'm a God of grace. I'm a God of mercy. But we also see who he, the rest of his character there too, right? You can't look at me. You can't look at my face. I am holy. I am holy. We need salvation as people, don't we? We're, we're people. And when, when we start talking about faithfulness, it's easy to, to kind of say, oh, you know, I, I try to be faithful. 
But let's be honest, are we, can we really call ourselves faithful? We, we start to understand what faithfulness is by first acknowledging unfaithfulness. What unfaithfulness is in, in men. Um, Alistair Begg said it this way, he said there's three ways that people should, need to be faithful. And one is morally, ethically, and theologically. And we look at those things and then we look at ourselves and we go, uh... You know, I, I, I don't quite measure up. But God says, my grace, my grace is for you. His grace is for us to save us, to forgive us forgiveness of sins, but it's also to, for us to live to live a faithful life. We must live in the grace of God. His gift through Jesus Christ. Now what is that gift? What, what are we talking about? The grace of Jesus Christ. It was that God Himself saw us in our need, our condemnation, because all of us are sinners. He came to earth. He took on human flesh. He was fully God and He was fully man. And He lived a life of perfection. He never disobeyed His Father, God. And then, He took my condemnation for my sin upon Himself. He went to the cross. My sin dictated that I must die for my sin. And Jesus died as a perfect man in my place so that God the Father might look at me and declare me not guilty as I put my trust and my faith in Him. What a gift. But as we've been learning in Romans, as Pastor Jeremy has been teaching us, that death just was not just for my salvation, not just for the forgiveness of my sins, but for me to live the rest of my life as I have died with Christ. I have died to my former sins, for my former way of life, for my former desires. And I now live for Him. And you, do you see how that, that is the call to faithfulness? That is the enabling to live a faithful life. Living for Jesus every moment. Jesus Christ is the only one who can make faithless men faithful. And He does that through His grace. He gives us the ability to live obedient lives. 
Before, when we were dead in our trespasses and sin, we were unable, totally incapable of obeying God. Could we do some moral things? Some things that might have looked good to others? Might have even felt good to others? Yeah. But none of it was righteousness. But God, through Christ Jesus, has given us the ability to live and obey God. And in obeying God, receiving His blessing. But our life now is so different. We have a different relationship with the world. And in John 15, Jesus said, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. It's a matter of fact. We aren't here to um, pacify the world. To get them to like us. The world hated Jesus so much, hated His righteousness so much, that's what drove them to put Him on the cross. Now that was God's plan still, but they would be judged for doing such a wicked thing. Putting the righteous man, the only righteous man who has ever lived on this planet, and hating Him so much, to kill him. So Paul says, be strong in grace. And then he says, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So we're going to talk about this. Faithful men and trust to faithful men. Paul is saying, you have heard the Gospel. You have heard me preach over and over. You have heard me direct people to the person and the life of Jesus Christ. How He was God incarnate. He was God, the God-man. And I emphasize this because there's so much confusion even today, especially today, on who Jesus was. Preachers are saying He was man who was granted deity. People are all, saying all kinds of confusing, terrible things. Things that are not in the Scripture. Jesus was God. And He was fully man. Now that's so important. There's so many ramifications. Why that's so important? If He was not fully man, then there's something in me that He didn't die for. Do you, you kind of understand? He had to be fully man. Fully identified as man. He had to be a man 100%. But He was also fully God 100%. And he could not sin. He did not sin, and he could not sin. And that's wonderful news. He 
overcame sin. Something we cannot overcome. He overcame the devil. He overcame death. He conquered it. So we are first of all drawn to the character of God. And then we are shown the character we are to possess. So as we look at this, faithful men. Um, unfaithful men who come to the faithful one in repentance for forgiveness, they live single-mindedly to obey the one who has loved them. They live the proof that they have received the gift of saving grace. So what we do, how we live our lives, is proof of what He has done for us. If we have received Him in faith and said, Jesus, I receive Your death in my place. We know by faith we are forgiven. Our sins are forgiven. Now, as Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul said in Romans, how then dare we choose to sin? What a terrible mistake. What a terrible choice. Because God has saved us from that. Now, will we sin? Do we sin? Yes, we do. So what do we do when, we, when that happens? What do we do when we sinfully choose sin? We go to His grace. We go to His grace. We, we go to Him. We confess our sins. And He is faithful. Got it? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that good news? God is faithful. Our sin will not defeat Him, will not put Him into confusion. But we dare not choose sin because we are a new person. We, must, we are created for righteousness. We are created to obey. We are created to do what is right. So we must live in faith. Faith in. What, who, where is our faith? This is very important because lots of people talk about faith today, right? They have for decades. Lots of people have faith. But we must distinguish where is our faith. Our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in, he, our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation and godly living. Just as anarchy doesn't work in society or government, so it does not work in the church. <laughs> so it does not work in the church. An anarchy does not work. And in the church, this is especially important because here in this context, Paul is telling Timothy, entrust faithful men, faithful leaders who will preach the gospel. That's what he is um, saying specifically. Men who will preach the gospel, teach others, defend the gospel. This was God's idea. This was the plan from, for, for, from Christ. This is a parable that he told in Matthew 13. And he said to them, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven. Now, 
when Jesus was saying this, he was talking, there were scribes who were hearing him, but he was not talking about them. He was talking about people, his disciples, who had come to faith in Christ, and he is now calling them scribes. And he says, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. All of us who have been brought into the kingdom of God, Jesus is saying, you're a scribe. I want you to know my word. I want you to be able to write my word. I want you to know, be able to say my word. I want you to be able to live your life out from my word. Because I you will be like a master of a house who brings out his treasure, both old, new, new and old. You will be able to apply everything from my word to your life. Isn't that cool? This was God's design from the beginning. Authority is given to Jesus and He is building His church. He has a design for male elder leadership to carry on the preaching of the Gospel and, the te and teaching in the church. But this, is, this brings up this amazing paradox, doesn't it? Because all of you, and especially in our day and age, you go, males? Uh, men haven't proved so uh, very trustworthy, very faithful. And you're right. But God still has chosen male leadership. It is an amazing paradox, but fully biblical, that although God is sovereign and all-powerful, he nevertheless entrusts his adopted children with propagating the saving gospel of his true son, Jesus Christ. He calls us to preach the gospel, to tell others the good news. We are to be students of God's word. Do you spend time memorizing God's word? Or is that something, oh, you know, I had to do that. And I'm tired of that, and that's really hard. <laughs> Memorizing God's Word is so helpful, and I would encourage you to do it. If you have a struggle with it, can I tell you a secret? I learned it when I was about 18, and I had to memorize huge long passages and write them out once a week, and they had to be word perfect, and I didn't know how I could do it. I thought, for sure, I'm failing. And there was a Sunday school class I signed up for to teach us how to do it. So I'm going to tell you in 30 seconds. Read the, pa the passage every day. Then read it 10 times every day. Then write it out, even if you have to look word for word, every day. And in set seven days, you will have it memorized. Okay, sure. Test me on it. Check it out. It'll work. Be a student of God's Word. Hide God's Word in your heart. Memorize it. Be skillful with it. Then, Paul goes on to say something very hard. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. 
since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. He gives, an, he gives a set, series of illustrations here of faithfulness, faithful occupations, faithful occupations. So I call this commission and compensation. Commission and compensation. Because there's a reward for it. There's a reward for this. And Paul points it out. He says, suffer hardship with me. Suffering does one thing. It causes those who are not true believers to walk away. (laughs) Who's going to pretend to be a Christian if you have to suffer? But we all are called to suffer. Now, what kind of suffering? That's the next question, right? Because some of us have suffered a lot. Paul suffered more than any of us. In jail, headed to be killed. But listen what he says. This is very interesting. The, the kind of suffering. And this is in the, in the context of all of Asia abandoning him. The, the word, the suffering that Paul calls here is to suffer evil or pain along with someone else. Take one share of rough treatment. Take one share of rough treatment. So he first of all talks about a soldier. He talks about a soldier in active service. He doesn't have a 9 to 5 job or even a 60 to 70 hour work week. He's a soldier how often? 24 hours a day, right? As long as he's enlisted, he's a soldier. Consequently, he's separated from his normal and life, his normal environment. He learns discipline. He, the reward is that he pleases the one who enlisted him. He brings pleasure. He, he lives a disciplined life. He learns discipline. And that's rewarding. Right? For decades, we've, our culture has tried to deny that it's rewarding. But being disciplined, it brings a whole lot of joy to one's life. But we're here we have to just say, um, let's be cautious because the temptation is for us to say, I want to please others. And here we want to be clear our call to be faithful is to be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ and to please him that is our greatest desire in fact that is what we are anticipating is it not the words we want to hear out of king jesus mouth is well done good Faithful servant. Think about that. Those are the very words we want to hear from Jesus' mouth in regards to us. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. Welcome. Come. Come, eat with me. 
be with you. Those are the words we long to hear. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Pretty interesting, we just came through the, this weird, strange Olympics. And uh, some of it, I don't know if you... Our family has always kind of been drawn to watch the Olympics and, and be inspired by the stories of people who dedicate their lives and then uh, some of them still don't win a gold medal, but the work that they have put in, the investment of their lives to get to the Olympics, to be, get to compete, um, and those who win the gold in their stories are inspiring. But it didn't just happen. They didn't just wait, just say, oh, this week I'm going to the Olympics and I'm going to win a gold, right? It's been a life. A life of discipline, a life of training, a life of knowing the game, a life of knowing the rules. That's what it takes to be an athlete that wins. And what, what a reward! What a reward ahead of them, right? In our competition, where, where is that? as Pastor Jeremy has been, te been teaching us. Our competition is against ourselves. That old man that rises up and says, it's my turn to have some attention. Or, I just feel grouchy today. Or, I'm going to do my thing. No one better get in the way. So many things that, even sin. I want to do this. Our competition is against our fleshly old self, isn't it? And to put it to death. That's war, folks. It's a battle. It's real, intense warfare. And God calls us to that kind of living. That kind of living. And what is ahead of us? The crown of righteousness. <laughs> the crown of righteousness. Where what God has promised you, He has said, not guilty, and I am making you a holy one, a saint, He will bring to fruition. When you see Him, you will be like Him. You will be righteous. What a reward. And then He talks about the farmer. It is a hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. What a reward he has. But he has a rough life. He has a life that begins early in the morning, doesn't end till far after dark. He has a life of solitude. Many times he's working by himself to accomplish the things that must get done. There's no schedule, 
There's the needs of the animals. There's the needs of the crops. And he's running between rainstorms or drought. Sometimes just waiting. When is it going to rain? I hope it rains. That angst. And not being able to do anything about it except pray. We can all identify with these three illustrations, can't we? And what the, the call to faithfulness. God calls us to good works. And these good works have nothing to do with keeping our salvation, with gaining our salvation, but they have everything to do with working out our salvation. We must be people who are who we say we are. If we wear the label Christian, we must be faithful people. That is, is who God has called us to do. Why? Because we reflect the God who is faithful. Paul says something here. He's, he uses a word that is used for the first and only time in the New Testament. This word, consider. It's only used here. Think about this. Think about these things, these illustrations. Consider them. Think over them. And the Lord will give you understanding. In James, he said, ask for wisdom and God will give liberally. So we have this opportunity to consider Consider these things. What does it mean to be a faithful man? What does it mean to be a faithful woman? What does it mean to be a faithful child? What does it mean to be faithful in sharing the good news? That's for all of us. Not just elders. That is a, a, distinct, a, a specific job of an elder, but it's a job for all of us to share and proclaim the Gospel. And I want to ask you to think of it this way too to consider what's coming in our text. Paul, Paul is going to give us an example that is far greater than us. He says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, offspring of David, as preached in my Gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the Word of God is not. So he gives us this example now, not of a farmer, not of an athlete, not of a, a soldier, but of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And what happened to Him? He was killed. But He rose again! He was victorious over that murder. He rose again. 
And he reminds us here in the offspring of David that he is king of kings. And he's on his throne at the right hand of the Father. Look who he is and look where he is, Paul is saying. He says, now, I'm just sitting here in chains. I'm suffering for this, for telling this good news. But God's Word, it can't be bound. It can't be bound. So, remember Jesus and know the Word of God, it is not bound. Therefore, he says, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they also may, may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. I call this the call. The call. Paul says, this is my, what I'm working for. This is why I'm willing to be in chains. So I get a chance to tell someone. To tell someone that... God has chosen from before the foundation of the world who doesn't even know it yet. I don't know it. They don't know it. But when I tell them the good news, God changes them. He regenerates them. He gives them new life. He turns the lights on. He opens their eyes. He helps them see they're dead. And they, that He has brought them life if they will confess their sins if they will have faith in Jesus. Because that's what I'm willing to do. That's why I'm willing to be in chains. That's the ultimate for me. And it should be the ultimate for us. That is faithfulness. Is it not? That is what should drive us. That is what is the singular purpose of faithfulness for us. To tell others the good news. We don't know if they are God's elect, but we should be telling everyone we know because God might have chosen that moment to save them and grant them forgiveness. That they could be in eternity with Him. You see, this isn't just a, a salvation old right to get a bath and get all cleaned up and now hopefully we won't have any more of those kind of people in the neighborhood god forbid we think that way no this is for eternity god changes a dead man and makes them alive in the for everlasting to be with him and then the the verses I hope you've been waiting for. <laughs> Not that just because they're at the end, but that may be why you're anxious too. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with Him, we will also live with Him. If we endure, we will reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So I call this the credible, the credible sayings. 
the credible things, the things we can put a stake on. We can build a house on this. If we died with Him, we will live with Him. If we died with Him, we will live with Him. Now Paul here, I believe, is anticipating his own death. He's saying it's okay. Death isn't the end because Jesus conquered death. Death isn't the end. Death is just the opportunity that I get to be with Him and I can't be with you anymore. But he's also talking here about our life. That if we have put our faith in Christ, we have died with Him to our former life, to our former desires. And now we live with Him. We live for Him. We, everything about our life should be about Him. Why do I do what I do? Why do I want to do what I want to do? And we should qualify everything by, is this what Jesus wants for me? That will give us a rich life. A life worth living. We look around today and, man, there is this world is just all concerned about a virus. About so many things. That's just scratching the surface, isn't it? It's just what popped up and it's right there on the surface. Everybody worrying about dying and about controlling death and about um, virtually wanting to be God. And they can't be. They're powerless. What futility, is it not? Can we, can we acknowledge that? It's futile. All the ambitions of the world are futile. But God has given us something worth living for. A rich life. A life of meaning as we live for Him. As we are enabled to do and to live righteously. To follow His commandments. Because He is our Creator. He knows what's best for us. He, just like your dad knew what was best for you even though you hated to admit it. Just like we as dads know what's best for our kids. God created us. He is our Father. He has told us the way to live a righteous life, a blameless life, a faithful life. If we endure, we will reign with Him. Oh, what a promise. We haven't realized that yet, right? We're here waiting. And Paul was sitting there really waiting, shackled up, Wondering how he was going to die. Wondering how it was going to hurt. Wondering if it would hurt for long. But knowing, if I endure, I will reign with Him. Well, How could he say that? It was because the promise of Jesus. Jesus' words. 
Jesus promised, and Jesus keeps his word. But if we deny him, he will deny us. Wow, this has now turned somber, hasn't it? If we deny him, he will deny us. How important it is to remain faithful. Because God is faithful. Just as we talked about in the very beginning when Israel rebelled against God, God brought judgment on every man, woman, and child in the nation of Israel except for Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb, the only two to enter the promised land that God had delivered them from Egypt to. The whole rest of the nation did not believe God. They were faithless, and God walked them around in the wilderness till every last one of them had died. And a new generation had risen up. And they followed Joshua and Caleb into the promised land. God is faithful. He will do what He says. So, what does this call us to? Are are we afraid we're going to deny Him? I don't want you to be afraid you will deny Him. I want you to be people of conviction. Know what you believe. And stand on it. Be willing to die on it. You confess that Jesus is Lord. Stand on that pillow. Do not be moved. Have your conviction. If you, I want you all to believe that this Bible is the Word of God, the authoritative Word of God that will last forever. Love it. Have a conviction of it. Be willing to die on that fact. That's a, that's a place worth standing. So have Christian conviction. Not just because it's Christian, but conviction because the truth of God's Word. That's the starting point. The Bible says it, I choose to believe it. And stand on it. Do not be moved. If we are faithless, He remains faithful. The faithless here refers to people who really aren't Christians. They have not committed their life to Jesus Christ. They may call themselves Christian. They may wear the label. They may tell everyone they're Christian. They may even believe themselves that they are Christian. But they have never bowed their knee and said, Jesus is Lord. I will obey You. I will follow You. I will put to death my sin, my desires, and I will follow you. Those, Jesus said, He will say to them as they stand before Him, Depart from Me, 
you wicked. You said you have done all these things in my name, but I don't know you. I never knew you. Even then, God remains faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. He cannot deny himself. What great news. And I hope that as we've gone through this text, that this has been a, 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 just a, something that has, will rally around your heart this Labor Day and in these months to come as there is so much, so much going on and so many, so many confusing things, I hope that you, your soul will find peace in knowing the faithful one and His call to you to be faithful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, You are glorious. And You have called us to an impossible task of our own strength. But Lord, You've given us everything we need. Everything for life and godliness. And that is the, in the knowledge of Your Son, Jesus Christ. And His grace, the gift that He has given us to save us and to enable us to live a life of faithfulness, a righteous life. Lord, we just want to continue in our worship of You. And may it not end as we leave here today, but may, it, may we be worshiping You every moment of every day. And may You bring conquering victory over the devil, temptation, and sin that we believe the lies of. And may You turn our hearts to the faithful One, our God, our Savior, our King. 